This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. Well, welcome to Life-Changing Wellness, episode number 91. This episode of Life-Changing Wellness is brought to you by Kyolic, the makers of aged garlic extract, quality supplements that are backed by science for heart health, immune support, and more. I have personally taken their fine products for more than 25 years, and you should too. So check them out at kyolic.com or find them at your favorite natural health store. Well, now before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me, and I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. And I encourage you to look up my show page on RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. Well, my guest today is Molly Carmel, the founder of the Beacon Program in New York City and author of the groundbreaking book, Breaking Up with Sugar, A Plan to Divorce the Diets. Drop the Pounds and Live Your Best Life. I love the title of this book. And Molly is fiercely devoted to helping people from all walks of life break free of their destructive relationship with food and dieting. A powerhouse speaker best known for her straight talk, no chaser attitude. And it's been said that she punches as hard as she hugs. Well, after battling an eating disorder for over 20 years and finding no solution and treatments available, Molly made it her life's mission to help people find a sustainable solution to the battle of obesity and related eating disorders. She established the renowned Beacon Program to provide comprehensive, life-changing guidance to master your food, master your mind, and reclaim your life. And Molly's work has been featured on the Today Show, Good Morning America, Dr. Oz, Dateline NBC, to name a few, as well as many magazines and top online news sources. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Molly Carmel to the show. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. I'm so excited. I am too. And you know what, Molly? It's uh, you know, so many people today they're they're eating based on what their brains tell them and not their stomachs. So, what are some of these specific ways our brains respond to these different diets that everybody's on? Oh my goodness. I mean, I could have a whole different conversation about our culture's issue with dieting. And in fact, the second half of my book really talks about um, a lot of the brain science behind dieting. But it's an interesting thing because, you know, this, this sugar, which by the way, is not the sugar from the 1940s. You know, this, the food industry has, you know, souped up and doped up and made this kind of hyper chronic sugar that lights up our uh, nervous system, our dopamine, and you know what else it does, which I don't think we talk enough about. I think everybody knows about this, you know, mm-hmm. what happens to our brains and how that makes us want more, 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 more. I think that the thing we're not talking enough about is its impact on our endocrine system and on our hormones. And by the way, um, it impacting our endocrine system, our insulin levels, our cortisol, also makes us want more, 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 more. And, you know, we're trusting our cravings instead of our gut, right? Our gut's our second brain and a very reliable source of what we need. Yeah, because that's the thing that, um, you know, I'm trying to uh, tell my listeners and if I go out and lecture, stop listening to your brain and start listening to your stomach because, you know, like you said, there's so you know, sugar's not the same sugar as it was 
like you said, back in the 1940s, we have artificial sweeteners, which the body does recognize. I could talk about that all day, too. Oh, my gosh. Nothing but pure poison. Yeah. Uh, you know, fructose. You know, I, re- I remember you could go into a health food store in the 1980s and early 90s. And you, would, you could buy five-pound bags of fructose, and now we're finding out that fructose tricks the brain. Yeah, yeah. And causes us to, to eat more, or some people were actually allergic to it. Yeah, well, and I think this uh, the artificial sweeteners, I think somehow, by the way, brilliant marketing, you know, if you're into that, somehow actually has convinced us that artificial sweeteners are, are good for us, actually better for us. And my goodness, quite the opposite, right? From a weight release perspective, it actually cues hunger. Oh, yeah. Um, but when we're talking about some kind of satiety, trying to be full, I mean, all it does is trigger us to want more and doesn't allow for us to enjoy anything like having something with an artificial sweetener in it and then eating an apple you know an apple will never satisfy you if that's the case no not not at all and you know i have taught on the same subject to where you know people will you know they'll eat a meal and then the blood sugar goes up and right when it makes that turn to go back down all of a sudden we just finished eating a meal not but 15 20 minutes ago and we're going Oh, what else is in the refrigerator? Yeah. And we're we're back to listening to our brain to tell us that, oh, it's okay, go eat some more. So the reason I think diets don't work, even by the way, like my book is called Breaking Up with Sugar, but I say very clearly in this book, if you're just gonna yeah. break up with sugar, that's another diet. Right? Because what we have to really understand is how to get into a healthy relationship with food. And so if you're just gonna go on a 30-day cleanse of not eating sugar and go back to sugar, you're probably going to have the same problem come up over and over and over again, right? So you think there's something to be said for, you know, taking some time off of sugar because I think that allows for our neural pathways to get cleared out, for us to create new ones, for us to really get kind of centered and understand the true nature of what's going on in our relationship with food and usually specifically sugar. Oh, absolutely. But I also think real changes need to happen if you're depending on your current relationship with your food, your body, yourself, right? I I know for me, I know I used to weigh 325 pounds. I was in an enormously abusive relationship with food, specifically sugar. And you know, I've had this beautiful opportunity to turn my life around completely. But but the first thing I had to do was look at what I was putting into my body, for sure. Well, yeah. And you were at 320? No, 325. Don't you count every number there. <laughs> my gosh, ladies and gentlemen, if you go to her Instagram page, you would never believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you, you probably lost a whole person and another one. And uh I lost, uh, yeah, I lost more than half of my body. It's it's amazing. You know, it's amazing. And, and that, there's not a day that I don't remember what it used to be like, though. And so for those those people listening, I mean, the struggle is real. And getting out of it feels impossible. I mean, it really does. It really does. Well, how did you break through? Because I know, you know, sugar is one of the most addictive substances. It's kind of like when, when people eat an Oreo. You know, Oreos are, are nothing but, uh, you know, it's just food cocaine you're you know you can just you can't eat one you gotta eat the whole pack and how do people break up with this yeah for many it is like that for many it is like that for sure so how do we break up with sugar well i mean i think the first thing that i think is really useful is really understanding the true nature of what's going on right i mean there are some people 
who don't have this problem, right? And so they don't have this problem. They shouldn't deal with it. But understanding, and in my book, in chapter four, um, I, I do a relationship quiz because understanding, like for me on that relationship quiz, I was a 12 out of 12. Like I was in a full-blown abusive relationship with sugar. And when I started to understand that, you know, I was really willing to take the solution very seriously, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think it's about really preparing yourself for this breakup, which means, you know, some simple things like getting all of the sugar out of your house, out of your car, out of that drawer in your office, like not having it readily available. I think it means talking to a couple of your close friends or family members, letting them know that this is a change that you're going to really try to make. I think it's about prepping yourself emotionally, you know, for the first, I think, week or so, certainly not you know, doing anything hard, you know, knowing that you're going to have a bit of a detox. And then I think that second stage, I mean, here's the truth. I mean, this isn't a death sentence, breaking up with sugar, quite the opposite. It's a life sentence, right? I mean, the thousands and thousands of people that I've treated to break up with sugar, I mean, they have gotten not just their lives back, but they have moved into lives that I think they might not even have known possible. I know in my story, you know, for years and years and years, I just thought sugar was my solution. Like it nourished me and it made me feel included and it made me feel happy and it made me feel numb. And I never recognized that it was actually my problem. And two things happened when I had my breakup. You know, the first thing was I detoxed and I was an addictions therapist at the time. So I was kind of like, "Uh oh, this is just a diet, right? Like I'm sweating, <laughs> like, you know, I'm tired. <laughs> this is different. Um, but then the, the most miraculous thing happened, which was I, my cravings, I mean, I almost had no cravings anymore. You know, I was losing, releasing weight wasn't hard. Keeping weight off wasn't that hard. You know, and I was, I was always one of those people like, oh God, are these jeans going to fit? What am I going to wear to this thing? You know, that was almost removed entirely. Mood swings left. You know, I was able to really take more risks. I actually opened my clinic soon after breaking up with sugar. I did these things I've always wanted to do. And so it's like, of course, it was very hard. But I think I wouldn't have stayed broken up if the miracles of my life were not just so incredible. And I don't say this, of course, my personal story is helpful, but I need to also say I've helped thousands of people who would just agree wholeheartedly with me. It's, that's the bind of addiction. It's a disease that tells you you don't have a disease. That's why I compare it in my book to an abusive relationship, because it's like an abuser saying, oh, you can't live without me. What are you going to do on your birthday? Right? Like, how are you going to go to Christmas? And it's like, the answer is like quite easily, right? Because I'm going to be free. And that's what I see. And the people who I help, it's like, I see them achieve real freedom and, and move into lives they didn't know possible. Yeah. You know, it's amazing that a lot of people need to realize that, uh, you know, when they're trying to break uh, free uh, from food addictions or, you know, sugar addictions, uh, technically, that the, the temporary pain that you go through is just temporary because there is something so great and so glorious on the other side when you get through that stage that you're going to start living a life you never thought about having. Yeah. And, you know, and you're saying that here today. And I think it's so awesome. Um and I want to kind of move into that in your book, uh, you know, there's a lot of emotional damage. There's self-hate that comes from diet addiction. Well, think about it. I mean, I know for me, like how many times 
it's Monday morning. Mm -hmm. This is the day I'm going to do. Today is the day, you know, and by 1030, I'm two donuts in <laughs> like that does something to your relationship with yourself. Like that does something to your spirit. Yeah, so you hate yourself for the two donuts. Yeah. I think breaking up with sugar, you become reliable, right? You become reliable. You become trustworthy to yourself. So it's like a one plus one is five. Like not only do you heal your relationship with food, but you create a whole new relationship with yourself. I mean, Win, 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 win. Am I right? Well, yeah. Well, how do we get past that? You know, so you wake up on Monday morning, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then, like you said, two hours later, you had a donut and all of a sudden you're going through some emotional damage. You, you're kind of, you're, you're hating yourself because you ate the donut when you woke up and put your feet on the floor and said, I'm going to do this. And then you immediately failed. How do we get past that mindset and keep pushing on in a positive way the rest of the day? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a wonderful question. I have two answers to it. You know, the first one is, you know, I think really getting into this mind frame of, you know, I am not eating sugar today. And by the way, all it takes is one day, right? One day becomes two days, becomes one year before you even know it. And it's really suspending your belief for a minute because that's the problem with the diet drama and trauma, right? The first thing it does is it's removed our hope. Like we have no, and so I just usually have to beg people like to try one more time, right? The data on cigarette smoking says that people attempt cigarette smoking eight to 13 times before they actually quit. Wow. So I can't even imagine what the numbers must be with food, right? Oh my gosh. But the second thing that I think is as important is that we are talking about food and food is something that we have to be in a relationship with, which probably means that if you're breaking up with sugar, if you're making this brave decision, it is likely that you are going to mess it up. And the problem is, is that when we make mistakes, what diet culture has sort of trained us to do is make a problem worse, right? It's almost like when we mess up on our diet, it's like we get a flat tire and we get out of our car and we slice off our tires and we leave the car in the middle of the road, right? And if we did this in any other relationship in our life, like if I had a hard day at work and I quit mm, my job, you know, yeah. and it would not be wise. <laughs> or if I got in a fight with my partner and I broke up with him in that minute, right? Like we don't use our brains. And so here's what I would say. If you have a donut, get right back on track. This is like groundbreaking information to people. <laughs> Try again. Keep trying. Yeah. Go eat an apple or Not something. Yeah. Or just hey, keep on trying. Keep on moving. Yeah. Keep trying. Don't give up on yourself because it, when we... When we give in, we give up on ourselves, and that's the problem. And then we lose this relationship with ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Now, do you do you advocate for people to maybe start slow? Let's say they they should focus on getting um, breakfast corrected, and and then slowly get lunch corrected, and dinner. And then finally, they they've created this where diet is now turned into. A healthier lifestyle or do you just kind of have people go cold turkey on this deal well you know here's what i know for sure right one size mm -hmm. does not fit all but right the brain science of sugar would would suggest that a full stop is actually going to be easier right mm -hmm. and i'm not saying this works for everybody i think right. you do what feels right to you but i always think of the brain science in this particular question even though i really believe in reducing harm if you've just done breakfast and then your brain's being activated all day by sugar and your endocrine system, it's going to be hard to give it up. So I always think like, you know, go big or go home, 
there might be a bit of a detox, but I think it's going to serve you better. Mm-hmm. That being said, I've seen people certainly give up, you know, first give up cookies, cake and candy for a week and then give up cookies, cake, candy and bread. And then they just kind of move into it easier. It's The thing about food and weight disorders is there's really no evidence base. And so it has to be this gentle combination of what we know science says works and then what works for you, right? Because this is about creating a new relationship. But if it were up to me, full stop, period, because I think that makes it easier, even though like what you're saying, like upfront, it's a bit harder, Mm -hmm. but long-term, I think it makes it last and it's much easier. Instead of having, you know, self-hate have self-tough love and yeah yeah and i think support is so important in it too yes it is i think going this alone and not letting people know makes it so hard it is because then you can get caught in uh, social situations and you could spiral right back into your old habits but let me ask you this question what are the dangers that come from all of these endless fitness and wellness trends and sometimes i wonder if instagram triggers self-hate in some people like I can't achieve that body you know I can't wear yoga pants like that so you know what is the danger that comes from all of these trends I think we have to remember when we're scrolling on Instagram you know a lot of times like we're comparing our insides to other people's outside I mean I'm very active on Instagram Mm. and I try to be as honest as possible but you know even I'm crafting a message there and you know, everybody's struggling in ways we don't know. Mm-hmm. I think the problem with diet culture, though, to answer your question, is it's promoting something that isn't true. It's promoting that there's an end point to this. There is no end point in your relationship with food, right? There isn't. And there's really, truly, I mean, this is science supported. Like, there's no quick fix. There's no data that suggests that any quick fix works. And so what we're up against is this messaging that is, I mean, in my wildest dreams, I, 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 would, I would quit my job in a second if all of this diet messaging was accurate, right? Yeah. But the truth is, of this is going to be the truth of everything, which is we need to find something that's sustainable, that we can live with day in and day out. You know, it's a lot like marriage, you know, that most of the time it's really good and sometimes we're working through our issues with our partner, right, or your job or whatever it is. And so I think the real danger of diet culture is that they're selling us something that isn't true. And what that ends up doing is impacts our ability to actually get well, because A, when we're given the prescription of what it is to get well, we're like, oh, no, no, I can't do that. I'm just going to go on that 20-day cleanse instead, right? Yeah. And it's suggesting that after those 20 days, we're cured, but there's no being cured because you're still in your relationship with food. Ah, well, then let me ask you this, because when it comes to... You know, if someone is going to ditch all the sugar in their house, their office, their car, what kind of uh, <laughs> and exercise or... You know, and the secret drawer. Yeah. You know how it goes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there, there's there's hidden goodies always somewhere that we may actually know about or forget about and then find them later. But, exactly. Uh, right, exactly. You know, when you were at 325 and you decided enough is enough, how long was it before you got into maybe some sort of exercise? And is there uh, some type of exercise that you suggest for people to slowly move into to get the body moving yeah so i'm i'm a sort of an outlier in this i while i believe in exercise wholeheartedly uh i exercise five times a week i I actually don't i'm a behaviorist by trade and i know as a behaviorist you know we can only really change one thing at a time 
And so if I, if I only get to change one thing at a time, I'm going to have people focus entirely on food in the beginning. Because what I know is that you can get, you're going to get the best results focusing on your food. And then what I know from that is that change begets change, right? So, and I know that's what happened for yes. me. And sort of like, and then a while in, I was like, huh, I'm actually feeling better. Oh gosh, I don't hate myself. Oh, I wonder if I could go for a walk today. I remember I started a yoga and I was like doing the plank on my knees, like, you know, when I was in the back of the room and then sort of like before I knew it, I got to the front of the room. But I think we get really tricked up with exercise. I think culturally we've really been fed it bulimically in that like we believe like, oh, if I exercise enough, then I'm going to lose weight. And I think the data really doesn't support that. I, I, I think the data is very unclear on exercise really being a solution to a food and weight problem. And what I know for sure yeah, is I that agree with you. exercise is not a solution if you have an addiction to food. <laughs> like it's actually wouldn't even come into the realm of it. But for mental health, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. To feel good. I love it. I love it. I love it. You said something very important because, you know, everybody's different. You know, if, if someone's going to break the, the sugar habit, they don't have to go run out and go sit on a stationary bike or go out and lift a bunch of weights. And a while back, I had interviewed big time gossip blogger uh, Perez Hilton, and he had been overweight for a long time. And he, he said, he goes, what I did was is I just cut out all the junk and I and I just took my time focused on one day at a time and then he said then I got to the point of like hey um let me add some exercise so maybe I walked around the block and then after I did that for a while then it's like hey let me go to the gym and so he slowly made a step one and each time he improved yeah. then like you said the mindset changes and then you're like hey let me try that now because now I know that I can, I know I can do that. Yeah. And I think the diet culture, like, I don't know. I just always think about my 325 self. And if you would have been like, you need to give up sugar and you need to exercise and you, I'd be like, I'm out, I'm not doing that. You know? And so I think it's. Well, you're back on a diet. Right. And and like, and I'm back like in prison and like, <laughs> so I feel like, you know, just changing one thing. And this is a big thing. Like it's a big act right? Like exercise will come along and it's not, it's likely if you're like struggling with exercise, like it's probably not the solution. And so it's not the best place to go when you're thinking about what's going to maximize this benefit. It's really dealing with your food. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we can be addicted to sugar or we can be addicted to exercise. We can, like you said, we can leave one prison and enter another one. Well, that's for sure. And uh, on the Titanic, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And uh, there's an actionable guidance for recognizing uh, the addiction and tools recovery. And all of these things are in your book. Absolutely. And there's, I mean, this thing is really play by play, right? There's an evidence-based quiz, right? It's your relationship quiz. And, you know, if people are having an issue with the word addiction, then like, don't use that. Use unhealthy relationship, Right. And there's another part of it where I ask people to write down their diet history, like really look at like how successful have you been? And maybe it's time to make like a really different attempt, which is what the book provides. It provides you recipes and a meal plan and, and what to do when you don't want to do what you know you're supposed to do. I know diet veterans out there know that like everybody knows like four ounces of turkey. It's like, well, what do you do when you don't want to do that? And how do you reduce the harm? And 
the feedback I've gotten is very positive is what I can say. And, um, and really learning how to change your life and, and create a sustainable relationship. Like I'm a long-term relationship girl, you know, that's what I want people to have. Like never have to do this again. So demoralizing, you know, from your book, can you share with us at least maybe one testimony from a client that, uh, broke up with sugar and, uh, well, yeah, my, my favorite client, um, it's actually the first uh, testimony on the book named Ben, you know, I, I love him because he was really, I mean, bottom of the barrel hopeless. You know, he would be walking down the street and look at people and think, I don't understand how people can even be happy. You know, he had a ve- he was really at the end of, you know, his, of life. He, he really didn't think life was worth living. And was very hopeless. I remember when he when we spoke on the phone and, you know, was very convinced because of all of his failure. And, you know, he was about 325 pounds also that he just couldn't do this. And I talked to him a lot about the science of sugar um, and what it was doing in his brain and in his body. And I remember I said this thing to him, which I've already said on this call, actually. And I just said, Ben, can you extend your belief just one more time? Can you do it just one more time? Because maybe this time will work. And I don't know how or why, but he did. And if I could tell you the transformation of this man, and it's only been two years, right? Mm-hmm. He is has hobbies. <laughs> He's <laughs> back in connection with his family. He has a he was in a dead end job that he hated. He's an attorney in a totally different job, and you know, it, dating, like everything changed, like, and he has released a hundred pounds. I mean, it's just so, and that, that that's what happens to people. Like if you really have the problem, the solution really works really well for you. And it's, it's marvelous. It brings tears to my eyes every time I talk about him. Well, Molly, it is an absolute honor and a pleasure to talk with you today and to encourage all my listeners for all of you who need to break up with sugar. You can do that. Uh, please pick up Molly Carmel's brand new book, Breaking Up With Sugar. It's on sale right now wherever books are sold. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon as well. Go to Molly's website, mollycarmel.com, and also check out beaconprogram.com as well. I'm sure that both websites have tons of information that uh, Molly can share with you, so check her out. So ladies and gentlemen, look, it's time to break up with sugar. I'm sure that 90% of America needs to be doing that right now. Uh, We can literally stop disease epidemic just by leaving sugar behind. There may be a little difficult time after, you know, while you're trying to break up, but you know what? It's temporary. There's a much better, healthier life waiting for you on the other side of that breakup. So ladies and gentlemen, remember to catch every episode of Life-Changing Wellness, just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at radiomd.com slash Bond. And if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds, rate the show on iTunes. Let's give this one five stars today. And thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. And now you can download our show on Spotify and look up Dr. Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. So you can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. And again, thank you for listening to Life-Changing Wellness. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.